Sex has been proven to have numerous health benefits, but what happens when you or your partner has trouble rising to the occasion? Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostics industry. I'm Amanda Peterson, news editor at MDDI, and today I'm joined by Brett Jacobson and Dr. Christopher Kyle. Brett is CEO of Giddy, the sexual health and wellness company that developed the Eddy, a wearable device for erectile dysfunction. Dr. Kyle is a urologist practicing in Springfield, Oregon, and serves as a medical advisor to Giddy. Dr. Kyle, let's start with you. When you see patients for erectile dysfunction, how does that initial conversation usually go? And can you tell us about the current treatment landscape for erectile dysfunction? I think when we, we look at erectile dysfunction, it's it's almost two different types of visits. We have the people who come in explicitly for that problem, um, that they, they're coming in because of achi- uh, difficulties achieving or maintaining an erection. Uh, but it's also one of those classic, uh, your hands on the door and you're about to walk out of the exam room and they, oh, by the way, or, oh, my wife wanted me to mention this to you, or my partner wanted to, or um, or we're there and we you kind of get a sense that there's something else they want to talk about with a but they don't necessarily uh, want to bring it up. Um, and, and I think one of the first things that people are looking for, maybe subconsciously, is, uh, is reassurance. Uh, reassurance that this is a very common problem. Uh, reassurance that, um, that there are treatments um, available. And it, it can be a very embarrassing topic to talk about. Um, and and so, so I think that's kind of, for, for starters, being open to that, to that conversation. So that's why we'll you know, sometimes directly ask, ask people about sexual function and, and if they're having problems. And I absolutely um, make sure to, to emphasize the fact that it's a very, uh, very common problem. Now, just in terms of, of a lay of the land of where we are with, um, with treatments for erectile dysfunction, um, going from kind of a least invasive approach to a most invasive approach, uh, least invasive uh, would be something like the Eddie, would be some type of, of construction device. And, and, and um, not to give you a lecture on erectile dysfunction, but, but basically what, for an erection, the blood goes into the penis, uh, into these chambers in the penis, and then, um, and then it has to stay there. And so if there's problems getting blood into the penis or having blood leave the penis, then it really, um, then, then that can result in either uh, difficulty at, at attaining an erection or difficult, or excuse me, achieving an erection or maintaining an erection. And so, um, so again, first line, uh, kind of least invasive would be some type of constriction device like um, like an eddy. Um, uh, sometimes that's combined with a vacuum device to help bring the blood flow into the penis. Um, and then um, and then more invasive than that, we've got the oral medications. Um, you know, people talk about you know Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, things like that. Uh, then we've got injections, uh, which usually makes a, a guys cringe when they uh, uh, when they hear about that. But we we do have shots that we can put into the penis, um, and then um, and then we um, kind of I would say for our most extreme cases or most refractory cases, um, there's actually surgeries we do where those tubes that we that are in the penis that fill with blood, if they just don't work at all and have failed every other treatment, there's actually surgeries where we where we replace those uh, those tubes. But that it would would be a very small small percentage of people that would ever need something like that. Okay, great. And um, now I'm going to turn it over to Brett um, to talk about, uh, Brett is CEO of Giddy, and um, I was hoping you could just talk about the genesis behind the Eddie um, and and kind of why, uh, why you felt the need to, you know, why the company felt the need to develop a product like this. 
Yeah. So it actually all started, my, my background's investment banking and a friend of mine called me up and he's like, Hey, my neighbor just inherited a patent from his grandfather. And uh, my, uh, uh, my friend's neighbor came into the, uh, into my office, started explaining to me how his uh, grandfather had been diagnosed with prostate cancer at the age of 88 and uh, ended up in uh, with erectile dysfunction. And he had tried all the products on the market. None of them uh, worked for him uh, for a variety of, uh, of reasons. And he used to be a machinist by trade. And he realized that all the products on the market tried to do one of two things. They either tried to increase blood flow to the penis or reduce blood flow out. But in an effort to do one of those two things, every product in the market inadvertently did the opposite as well. So if you take Viagra, for example, yes, it expands the size of the arteries, increases blood flow into the penis, but it also increases blood flow out. So at best, you end up with a reduced positive effect. At worst, as much blood flows in as flows out, nothing happens. And he said... Uh, having been a machinist by uh, by trade, he wanted to create a uh, a device that put pressure on the veins and left the arteries completely unencumbered, and that was the idea behind the uh, the product. And uh, I, uh, after listening to uh, to what his uh, his grandfather had worked on, um, he told me that his uh, uh, he worked on it for about a year um, trying to. It's, like perfect this uh, this product, looking at scan data and imagery data to see how blood flow patterns work. Uh, it's like to in the penis, and he um, he got a phone call. His son got a phone call from the director of the retirement communities. His grandfather was uh, was staying at and said, "I'm sorry, it needs to be removed." We've seen uh, it's like a massive outbreak of sexually transmitted diseases. And it's as a result of your father manufacturing these devices and giving them out to his friends. And so at that point, they went to go talk to him and they caught him making two more of these devices in his room. And he moved back home and it became, it's like kind of grandpa's crazy project in the garage um, with him working on patents. It's like, and unfortunately suffered a traumatic stroke and about a year went by and his grandson went to the mailbox and there was um, the patent that had been granted. And uh, so he's sitting there with me and I said, well, this is an interesting space. I've never done anything in this sector. But when I started looking at the size of the sector and the things that were involved, it was it was incredible. The, the first complete study on ED was actually released in 2017. Prior to that, um, most of the studies were based on self-reporting. So a number of countries listed their rates of ED at zero. For example, Japan, they polled 100 men in Tokyo, asked them if they had ED. They all said no. And they said, okay, therefore there is no ED in Japan. So up until 2017, it was believed that the worldwide rates of ED were approximately 100 million men, that there were about 20 million men in the United States suffering from the problem. Um, since then, it's been uh, make clear that the rates of ED are pretty uniform throughout the world. They're about 40% of the male population um, in every country, irrespective of race, irrespective of geography. Um, and that you're looking at, it's like roughly 47 and a half million men in the United States who suffer from ED um, and about 1.35 billion men worldwide. Um, and looking at the size of the problem, you you realize how much it impacts not only the primary ED sufferer, but the partners of those as well. 90% of, uh, of women and gay men um, who have more than three sexual partners in their lives will end up in a relationship with somebody with ED. Um, so there's a lot of people who uh, feel responsible for it, um, both it's like partners as well as the ED sufferer. They think it's their fault. They think they're doing something wrong. It's like that they're maybe it's like not in love, that they're not in good in bed and whatever the case may be. So we actually 
looked at this problem as both a, a men's problem as well as their, their partners. And we ended up buying all the IP. And there was a lot of reluctance in the space. A lot of it's like uh, venture capital firms and that that we spoke to, it's like didn't have a lot of interest in the, uh, in the sector because of the stigma of it. And we found it was something that with such a large percentage of the men dealing with the problem, it was something that needed to be dealt with. You've got roughly 70 to 80% of men with ED who don't utilize anything as, a, as an ongoing treatment option because they've tried everything on the market and nothing worked for them. You know, as Dr. Kyle said, it's the last thing before it's like he reaches for the door handle and they go, oh, by the way, can you right. deal with XYZ? There's, there's a lot of that that goes on with it's like primary care doctors with mental health care. Um, you know, it's a big problem with the VA. We now supply uh, the VA. Um, uh, uh, ED devices. And where that comes from is from that stigma, is people not feeling comfortable taking talking about it. And also doctors not necessarily having the time to kind of delve into things with the patient. So it's not only, hi, sir, it's like, what's the issue you're suffering from? Uh, a guy might say, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm having anxiety. And it's very quick for a doctor to say, okay, well, here's an antidepressant. When instead what they're saying is like, well, I'm not dealing with clinical depression here. I'm actually dealing with my relationship is falling apart because I'm suffering from erectile dysfunction. Or I'm on cardiac uh, uh, drugs. You know, a lot of the, the medications for blood pressure, uh, statins, it's like... It, result and have the side effect of, of erectile dysfunction. And what you find happens is that there's a deterioration of, of kind of life overall. You know, men feel maybe they used to go on walks with their partner. That stops. Maybe they used to go out dancing once a week. That stops. Um, they were taking out the trash and doing chores at home. That starts to, it's like lesson because the reward mechanism, it's like, and, and sex isn't as much on the table. And mm -hmm. you find that there's an overall deterioration in uh, in health. And you know, one of the the uh, the uh, the doctors doctor groups that we sell most to is, is cardiologists. Uh, and people are always like surprised. They're like, "Well, you must only sell to urologists." I'm like, "No, almost every cardiologist is prescribing medications that result in ED, and they have the same problem, which is my patient. It's like is gaining weight, won't exercise, won't eat right, and what you find is a lot of times it's because they've largely given up." And then let themselves go in the way mm -hmm. that they look, in the way that they feel. There's a sense of uh, of embarrassment and less uh, uh, self esteem, and those are things that they can put back on the table by reintroducing sex as a, as an option for these men. And we found a lot of it's like cardiologists, uh, endocrinologists for diabetes, obesity, um, obviously prostate cancer. Um, uh, uh, mental health care workers with antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, opioid use. Um, oftentimes men are using that as a crutch because they started with an initial injury that was legitimate pain, but then they found that they were suffering from ED and they seen a de deterioration in their relationship and unconsciously they start uh, leaning on the opioids more. Mm -hmm. The same is true of, of, of lessening opioids. We've got pain management doctors who are utilizing, it's like Eddie in the capacity of saying, oh, if you want to step down off and taper off the medications that you're using, the opioids, orgasms, whether they are self-induced or as a result of, of intercourse, it's like they increase um, uh, pain tolerance levels, 
decrease stress, decrease anxiety, um, help with sleep patterns. So there's a lot of benefits to, it's like orgasms as a result of masturbation or sexual activity. And those are the things that as doctors are turning more towards, it's like treating the root cause of problems and steering away from just treating the symptoms of problems, which I think is something that that happened over the last, it's like several decades. Um, they're finding that they're looking for treatments like Eddy that allow them to, it's like work on that root cause. And that was the reason that we got involved. I know that's probably a longer answer than you're expecting, but the reason we got involved was because we saw how many people were suffering from this problem and how impactful it was in their, in their lives. We have dozens of emails written to us every day from men. It's like talking to us about how I hadn't engaged in sex with my, my partner, with my wife, with my husband in, in, it's like in years, it's like we were sleeping in separate bedrooms. We were, you know, we barely, it's like talk to one another that all the intimacy in our relationship had failed, that we were essentially roommates. And it's a very common thing. And it's like just by it's like uh, it's like trying a new treatment option that worked for them. It making all the difference and being able to kind of rekindle that relationship and 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 change things in a uh, in a meaningful way. Um, one of our uh, our investors who actually started off as a as a uh, a customer, he called me up the one day and he said, "Hey, I need your advice. I'm buying my my wife a dress." And I said, "I, I think that my fiance might be. It's like better equipped to help you with that." Um, and he started laughing and he's, I said, why are you buying your wife a dress? And he said, he said, you know, for two and a half years, we haven't lived in the same, we haven't slept in the same bedroom together. And now not only are we sleeping in the same bedroom uh, together, but we go out on dates and I'm taking her out dancing this weekend and I'm buying her a new dress. And he's like, and do you know, she starts started wearing makeup around the house again. I hadn't seen her wearing makeup in five years. And wow. I'm like, Larry, you're going to make me cry. It's like, <laughs> But it's that's the kind of impact it has on people's relationship. It's 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 really incredible. It's like how much of that becomes missed and what a change that has in people's lives. It's like when that goes away and 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 sex is no longer an option. Yeah, it really uh, seems to be a quality of life issue all 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 around. So that's incredible. Um, what I found interesting is uh, you mentioned um, that you obviously work with urologists like Dr. Kyle, and you mentioned cardiologists, which makes a lot of sense to me. I have a husband on blood pressure medication, so I get it. Um, but is that um, this is direct to consumer, right? Yeah, we do not require a, uh, a prescription. We are a, an FDA-registered class two medical device, uh, but do we uh, do not require prescription? Um, so that's, you know, we find a lot of mental health care uh, workers. Um, it's like uh, utilizing our product. Um, they're dealing with things like couples therapy. Um, and one of the biggest issues when it comes to divorce is actually number one reason for divorce in the United States are finance related issues. And number two are sexual dysfunctions, which almost entirely is made up of erectile dysfunction. And a lot of them get to the point where they're like, there's nothing else for me to do with this couple. You know, I've taught them to communicate with one another, but what they're communicating is I need you to, I need to have an intimate relationship with you and you're not capable of it. And the guy's mm -hmm. saying, it's like, well, I'm suffering from ED and there's not really anywhere to go because they've tried all the available options out there. 
Um, so we have a lot of mental health care workers who are now utilizing not only uh, it's like the, the Eddie device, but we also have an ED guide, which is a set of about uh, 200 video assets. Um, what we realized when we were going through our our, uh, our development of the product is we had cardiologists and urologists and endocrinologists and neurologists. It's like, and uh, psychologists all on board working with, it's like these men and their, and their partners. And we realized that there were other aspects related to ED that we needed to deal with. It's like in dealing with these men, we needed to deal with, you know, a 23 year old guy. It's like who's single and trying to date you know, with ED, that's not the same difficulty in the same set of needs as somebody who's 65 years old, been married for 30 years and suffering from uh, ED as a result of prostate cancer. And that we needed, it's like these, these, uh, these, these tools for them to be able to learn how to deal with reintroducing intimacy in their relationship, communication exercises, physical exercises, dealing with things related to nutrition and diet and other aspects. It wasn't as simple as cut and cut and dry as here's your device and that's it. That there were other tools that they needed, especially if you're dealing with a problem that's lasted for a long period of time. If you've not it's like had any intimacy in your relationship for, for two years. I mean, you need to work on communication. You need to reintroduce that back into the uh, relationship. It's not as simple as just being like, Oh, well you got the device and now everybody hop in the sack and everybody's right. good. You know, it's, it's almost like dating again. Um, and we wanted to make sure that those tools were available it's like uh, to our uh, our customers, but we find that that a lot of doctors refer the uh, product. Um, it's like to their patients, but we also have a lot of patients and a lot of customers. It's like who don't feel comfortable talking to their doctor, or they don't feel like they have a close enough relationship that they can or want to bring it up with their doctor. We also have a lot of partners that buy it for their partner. About 25% of our customers are women, you know, and they'll buy the product and bring it home and say, hey, honey, I got something fun for us to try and try not to make it as much about, it's like the problem. It's like, and try to make it more about the solution and just making it fun as opposed to, it's like making a serious uh, discussion about, it's like ED and the nature of ED and what causes it. It's like, and instead just saying, hey, let's let's try this and if it works, great. And we don't even have to talk about it. Um, obviously we prefer people to be more open in their communication with one another, but that's something that comes over time. It's not necessarily something that everybody feels comfortable with immediately. And we want, uh, you know, people to, to be able to work on their problem, whether they identify as having ED or they don't. About half of our customers claim that they do not have ED. If you went down the list of all the symptoms, you would say that those people are suffering from erectile dysfunction, but it's like, they don't see themselves that way. They see themselves as, well, I'm just not 18 anymore. I'm just, you know, not like I used to be, you know, I'm getting older. It's like, I, but I don't have ED. Um, whatever perception people have of their situation, it really is, is kind of immaterial to us. I'm not asking somebody to identify that they have a problem. It's like, uh, or that they're in a certain group. It's just, this is the solution that we have, um, or the, the, uh, the solution that we're offering for somebody. It's like in terms of, of, uh, of, uh, of a treatment option. And if they want to, uh, to take advantage of that, it's like, great. And if they're suffering from something that seems to, to be in that bucket, great. Um, whether they identify as having erectile dysfunction or not. Okay. Interesting. 
Yeah, it kind of goes back to like what you were saying about uh, self-reporting and in Japan where they said, no, we don't have a problem with it. So, you know, it, it's and interesting. And the same thing happened in the U.S. It was about, you know, mm-hmm. the, the estimated rates prior to 2017 were, were 20 million in the U.S., not 47 and a half million plus. Um, and that came as a result of, of men. Um, it's like under-reporting because when they were asked, oh, of course I don't have that. You know, I, I'm not dealing with, uh, with that. Um, and I think that goes back to why you have a successful direct-to-consumer model rather than going through what would be considered a quote-unquote traditional pathway through someone like me as a urologist. Because if you... Uh, are seeing a urology, you're seeing me for erectile dysfunction. Okay, well, you're going to call the officer, get a referral. There's a diagnosis on that referral. Okay, and you know, so 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 right across your referral, erectile dysfunction. Okay, then you've got a a receptionist that's going to check you in. Oh, why are you here to see Dr. Kyle? Oh, you're here to talk about erectile dysfunction. I mean, they're discreet, but still, that's that's right. kind of reinforcing that label. Then you've got a uh, um, a medical assistant that's going to take you to room. Oh, okay. You're going to see Dr. Kyle about erectile dysfunction. And then I walk into the room I'm like, oh, okay, so we're here to talk about these things. And so there's there's that many barriers that if someone is feeling shame, um, th- then each one of those barriers can can cause you to push down. And, and that's part of, you know, can be a barrier to them going into the office, let alone the, you know, the, the, the cost of healthcare in this country and paying, you know, getting a referral and out-of-pocket expenses for medical visits and things like that. And so I think there are a lot of reasons. Again, I'm a urologist. I treat erectile dysfunction. But I think there are a whole host of reasons, both psychological, um, financial, um, that that uh, that would cause someone not to uh, not to come in uh, and see their doctor, or as I mentioned earlier, coming to see their doctor about I don't know their urinary symptoms or a kidney stone, and then the oh by the way comment. And so I think I just want to reinforce what uh, what Brett just said about the, uh, the the men who by any stretch of a definition of what constituted erectile dysfunction would certainly have erectile dysfunction. Uh, however, they do not um, self-identify. Interesting. And, you know, to Dr. Kyle's point, you know, he happens to be an excellent doctor and he takes the time to, to speak with his patients, but a lot of doctors don't necessarily have as much time to delve. And I, I you know, if you bring it up, it's like people will admit to things, but a lot of times they also don't necessarily draw the, the, the connection themselves. For example, maybe they're on a blood pressure medication and the doctor is giving them a list of potential side effects of it, but didn't list ED as a side effect. And therefore they don't realize that the, it's like the blood pressure medication they're on is resulting in their ED. So they feel, well, why would I talk to my cardiologist about that? Because, you know, that has nothing to do with him. Or why would I talk to my, my, my psychologist or my psychiatrist about that? Because I'm all, I'm on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication hair growth uh, medications, um, it's like can result in, in ED. People don't realize necessarily the connections. They don't draw them themselves. And then they go, well, I don't want to bring it up. It would be you know, weird for me to bring it up with my endocrinologist that I'm suffering from, from ED. But in fact, you know, it's very typical for men with diabetes. It's like to, uh, to suffer from ED because they're dealing with, it's like a blood pressure. Uh, 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 a circulatory uh, issue. So there's a number of those types of connections that 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 men it's like fail to draw themselves that lead them not to bring things up. Unfortunately, sure. when if they brought them up, there would be a solution to them. And Brett, I'd like to just piggyback on that just a little bit as well. Is is I think there's also this this feeling that erectile dysfunction is not a symptom or a condition that really is quote unquote um, 
important enough or, or, or severe enough uh, to bring up and manage. My, my mentor, um, um, who is an amazing surgeon, amazing doctor, um, but we do a lot of, we did a lot of prostate removals. And one of the consequences of that operation is often erectile dysfunction. And he would kind of make an offhand comment to patients of, uh, you know, if they had erection problems afterwards, like, well, you can't have sex in a coffin. And, and, and I think, I mean, he's a wonderful man. And, uh, but one of the, I think that, that kind of minimized the experience that patients were going to. It's like, oh, well, how can I bring up to my surgeon that I'm having problems with erection and it's affecting my life and my, my mental health and, and, and everything else? Uh, because I'm cancer-free now, and I should just be grateful that I'm cancer-free. And, and yes, I'm not saying that erections are more important than cancer treatment, but I think if you're taking care of the whole patient, you have to look at that whole spectrum. So I agree completely with what Brett is saying. I think uh, people don't bring it up for a variety of reasons. They're not queried about it for a variety of reasons. And it's also, that we're kind of led to talk about like, oh, that's a that's a selfish concern, or that's such a minor that's such a minor issue to bring up. Whereas for someone's quality of life, it's uh, it may be major. Um, and, uh, yeah. and really, uh, and, and that's in both directions, uh, you know, Dr. Kyle's talked about it from the patient's perspective, but the same thing from the partner's perspective, that's why we have such a high percentage of 25% of our customers are women, about 10% are gay men buying for their partner. Um, and the reason for that is because they are, they too, it's like, feel as though, well, I don't really want to push the subject. I'm being selfish by saying that this is an issue in our relationship, that there's a lack of intimacy now, and they don't want to put too much pressure on, on their uh, their partner. So they don't want to force them to go to the doctor, or maybe they've had fights about it before. But we regularly get letters and emails from, from customers who are saying, you know, thank God you invented something that allowed me to, it's like, bring this up. It's like without really, it's like being forceful or direct about it with my partner because he wouldn't ha be open to a direct conversation about it. By, but, but allowing me to have something I could just buy and bring home myself allowed us to deal with the issue without it's like really dealing with it, it, uh, it head on. And they have that same, that same fear. It's an interesting problem in the sense that both parties usually feel like it's their fault. And you don't yeah. usually find that with most, it's like disorders or disease, uh, diseases. And as a result, it causes even more of a rift even more quickly. And it's really, you know, to, to look at it from that perspective and, and, you know, have this elephant in the room that affects so many aspects of a relationship, um, you know, from the courtship aspects to the, to the obviously the intimacy uh, parts, you know, it's it takes a toll. It's like physically and mentally on both parties. And and then causes such a change in the opposite direction when they have something. It's like and finally are able to find something that can address their uh, their problem. Interesting. Well, I just had one last question for Dr. Kyle. Um, and I just was curious. Uh, just to hear your first impressions of the Eddie device when you were first introduced to it. Yeah, so, um, so I, I, I like the idea. So without getting too much into the weeds, there's, there's really three, um, three tubes in the penis. Uh, the two of them are the ones that fill with blood for erections as are called the corpora cavernosa. And then there's the, the tube on the bottom called the corpora spongiosum. And that's where the urethra is. That's where the urine goes through. And interestingly, the blood flow, to the head of the penis goes through that corpus spongiosum, that bottom tube. And so when we look at a traditional constriction device, which was a, you know, a ring um, that went all the way around, I, um, it, it compresses all three chambers. So when I talk to patients broadly about treatments for erectile dysfunction, I would always have to give that caveat. I, I would always have to say, well, just so you know, 
some people will, will complain with this procedure or with this uh, with this device that um, that the head of their penis is is quite numb again because it's impacting the blood supply. Also, there's some can often be some discomfort um, with the with ejaculation again because that urethra uh, is compressed. And uh, again, as a urologist, I've got plenty of stories of being up in the middle of the night in the emergency department trying to cut off those devices when they can't be removed. So so just with a um, just from a design standpoint, I just immediately thought what, what a genius idea it was because it's uh, with that kind of horseshoe shape, it's, it is compressing the top tubes, which are the tubes that, that need to be compressed for, uh, for erections, but it's leaving the, um, the, uh, the corpus spongiosum, corpus spongiosum, the, um, the, uh, the urethral tube uh, unencumbered. So that means you're not getting the symptoms with the uh, painful ejaculation. You're not having the, uh, the, um, the numbing, numbness or coldness in the head of the penis. And then in my own self-interest as urologist, if it's uh, um, if there's an erection that goes on, um, it, it can be the uh, the band, the constriction band can just be easily removed and the device easily removed rather than uh, you know cutting through stainless steel uh, from someone who purchased something in an adult bookstore. Interesting. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's um, been really uh, educational and enlightening, and I think that our audience will get a lot out of it. So thank you both so much for your time. Thank you so well, much for having me, Amanda.